0: Before I invite you to pull out your connection card, I have a a sad announcement that many of you are aware of, that I believe it was Monday, that Frank Koshimizu went home to be with the Lord. He he was in the hospital, and uh, there was a hope that the family was gonna take him home and spend his last hours or days at home. But he grew so weak that the doctor warned him, warned the family that once they take the ventilator off uh, out of him, that uh, there's a chance he may not make it home. So the family spent their last hours with him in the hospital on Monday. And uh, so we will have a service here in this church March 19th, so keep that, uh, that date in mind if you'd like to be here to support the family, and especially Arlene. And as we think of Arlene, her mother now is in hospice at this moment too. So just uh, keep the Push your music family in your prayers I'd like to invite you to take out your connection card. this is brown and white card that's in your program it's um, it's a way in which you can connect with us. We ask you to uh, give us some information fill out your name if you first time here Boy, give us uh, we'd just love to reach out to you and, and on the back there are ways in which we can um, maybe help you or answer any questions you might have. Know that any prayer requests you, you put down are prayed for uh, the following Sunday morning. And uh, we, we really look to to you to to, to make us aware of, of ways we can pray for you, your family, your loved ones. As you're doing that, I just wanna bring some things up to you. Uh, number one, the choir rehearsal that's on our program, back of the program that's set for Tomorrow, supposedly, is actually today. So if you are a member of the choir, your practice is today at 12.15. Okay, so keep that in mind. Uh, Another thing, we had a church-wide cleanup that was set up for March 19th, but because of our service for Frank, that cleanup for the church is being canceled. Uh, I want you to keep that in mind also. Um, Also today, after church, we have our Orange Family Time. This is for all families with children that are sixth grade and down. And so they got another neat lunch set up for you parents, and the kids will have pizza. And so you're you're very welcome to join in and just enjoy the the ministry of the Orange Family Time today, which is right after service. So uh, keep that in mind, too. there are a lot of different things going on today. You look at the top half of your back of your program. There's a different things going on from college ministry, young adults, gap dinner, and then the autumn half. It's almost all next Sunday. Next Sunday, and um, one of the things is keep in mind. There's a basketball game of all things next Sunday, and they're still looking for a couple of players. At least they, uh, I know they're they're short of. Uh, some, some of the younger players, so keep that in mind and uh, come out and cheer on your favorite uh, team which none of us have at this point <laughs> but uh, come out and watch the game, it should be fun it's out on the basketball court in the back of the church, that's next Sunday okay? One last thing I have, there's a lot of things here, but I think this is important, is that know that in the foyer, we have, uh, today we're actually starting week three, but we kind of have a weekly countdown to Easter. And so if you went to the pretzel kiosk in the foyer, you'd find that there's um, a couple of sheets stapled together, and what what it, it helps you do, it helps you, uh, follow along day by day with a daily devotional, a uh, very short biblical text you can read, and then some questions you can just think, think to yourself. And what we're doing this for is to help prepare our hearts and minds as we get closer to Easter. And so this is our third weeks of starting, a third week of devotions we're starting. And if you go to the, uh, the Pesach kiosk, you'll see for week two and week three. So if you missed out last week, week two is there. Pick it up today for week three. Next Sunday we'll have week four. And they're just different texts that you can turn to in in your Bible and just help to kind of almost like prepare. What's your appetite for the resurrection, the celebration of the resurrection? Okay? So that's out there for you. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Mark chapter 9. I'm just going to read a few verses out of this, out of this gospel. Book of Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 2 to 4. It reads, After six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them, his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah, Moses, and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we get into this text about miracles, Father, miracles are kind of beyond our grasp in a lot of ways. They happened. Uh, there are things that we can chalk up to a lot of things in this world, but Father, uh, there, there are miracles alive and well today that you perform and you show us. And so, Father, help us to be reminded of that. Help us to grab onto the real meaning of this text we're getting into. Uh, help us, Father, to, to um, in, in many ways just take a uh, just a deeper, refreshing look at you this morning. Well, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I've shared with you guys this before, but... Um, uh, growing up, I was what they consider a latchkey kid, which basically means that it, when I graduated kindergarten, from that time on, I always went home to an empty house. And because I always went home to an empty house at a very young age, there are a lot of things, I, you know, you, a kid who goes home to an empty house, there's a, you're always looking for something to do. And one thing I used to do, I used to um, sometimes just Turn on the TV all the time, turn on the TV. But then I'd, I'd walk down to the neighborhood movie theater. There was a movie theater about 15, 20 minutes away from my house. And so I would just be home by myself. So sometimes I'd just go outside. And I'd just start walking down to this movie theater. And I would just look at these movie posters. You know what a movie poster is? I just look at the movie posters, say, coming attraction, coming da da, coming da da. And I just look at these posters, and you hear I'm a little kid, and I don't even know what it's saying half the time. But I look at the pictures, and if it said coming, it looked like a fun movie. I kind of say, hey, I'm going to see that thing when it comes out. You know, when we think of, of, of things like trailers, and we think of movie posters and things like this, uh, I don't know if you go to movies today, but if you go to the movies, they have what they call, you know, these trailers that are like previews of movies that come. And to me, because of what I used to do as a kid, I really, I really make sure I'm there in my seat before the trailers start. And uh, it's just part of my who I am. And, um, you know, you think about well, what, what, why in the world do they show these trailers? What's the purpose of them? Well, when I thought about it, you know, th- there are three things that come to mind. Number one, they want to grab your attention. They kind of want to win your interest that, that this movie is coming around the corner. You know, another thing, they, they want to plant in your mind. Plant in your mind that this is a movie that's, that's worth seeing. It's grab your interest. This is worth seeing. So make it a point to see it. And, and the next one is they want to build in you a certain sense of anticipation, that, that wow factor, wow, that looked cool, I want to see that. And then sometimes that's the best part in the whole movie, if you've only seen it in the trailer, you know. But, uh, but, you know, over the years, the use of trailers, be it in theaters or online, have become really kind of a big part of, of the strategy of the, the movie industry. Especially you, you younger ones who are always on your phones or, or, your, or, your, or your iPads. You know, you, you have access to these trailers and they're popping up all the time. They're trying to grab your attention and show you, yeah, look forward to this coming. You know, in some ways, God uses miracles in the same way. God uses miracles in our world today as kind of like his spiritual strategy for us. So this morning, we're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of Mark. And by looking in the Gospel of Mark, we've come to this section of the book that, 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 records, that recorded a, a, a real miraculous thing. It's called the Transfiguration. And we're going to look at that this morning and, um, and just kind of be amazed and, and ask ourselves, why in the world did God do that? Okay, so, so open up again to Mark chapter 9, and let's get into this. We're, we're first just going to look at the text and say, what's the text say that surrounds this event? So in Mark chapter 9, let's look at, look at verse 1. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, I tell you the truth. Some of you are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Wow, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty heavy statement. Now, remember what, I, what, we, what we looked at last week? Any of you? Man, why in the world do I do this? <laughs> no, I understand because there's, sometimes it's hard for me to remember. But remember last week, we talked about how Jesus, he, he took this teaching time with his disciples, and he, he talked to them and asked them that question, who do you think I am? What are the people saying? But more importantly, who do you say I am? And then he started talking about that that he is going to have to suffer, and he is going to have to die, and that he will be raised again. And then he kind of puts it all together, and he says at the end, follow me. Are you going to follow me? Well, today, what, what we, we continue on with our text, and basically today, He's going to say, Hey, you know what? If you follow me, let me show you why it's worth it. Let me show you why following me is is really worth it. Now, look at this text. It says, Some. You know, you kind of, that word, some, a lot of people don't like because it always means kind of an exclusion of people. But the, it, the text is so clear. It says, Some of them would see the kingdom of God and its power. Now, who are the some? Remember, there are 12, 12 of these close and disciples, followers of Christ, they, 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 they're with him all the time, 24-7, but only some are going to witness this miracle. And they're Peter, James, and John. Now, now when you think of these, these, this, these names, Peter, James, and John, if you've been reading your Bible over your life, they just ring out, Peter, James, and John, Peter, James, and John. You know, when we look at it, Peter, James, and John, he chose them to, to see um, Jairus' daughter raised raised from, 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 from death. He, he chose Peter, James, and John to, to be with him in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prayed before he was crucified. Peter, James, and John now are being singled out, and he said, you guys are, going to, are the ones who I want you to come with me, and you're going to see this miracle. It's almost like he was grooming them, grooming them for, for a greater position. But let's, let's go on. let Again, read verses 1 through 3 here, which I just read earlier. It says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Let's just stop right there. You ever go, you know, when you go on the internet, and I know you've seen this, because tabloid magazines love to do this stuff too. But they show pictures of celebrities that normally look just incredibly glamorous. But then they show them coming out of a swimming pool, or they show them as they just got out of bed, or there's no makeup on them at all. And it's, boom, it's kind of shocking, right? Right? Maybe some of you wives have, you know, looked at your husband the next morning and said, oh, you know, <laughs> you know it's a it's, it's shocking scene, but it's the same person. Well, see, that's what the transfiguration is. It's a flip of that. It's a flip of that, where in the transfiguration here, these disciples are seen Jesus, the carpenter, Jesus, the one that was born in a manger among animals, Jesus, the, the, the simple, plain dressed man of God, suddenly blazing white, dazzling, just giving off this inc- incredible sight in their eyes. He has been transformed, this miraculous transformation has taken place in front of them. You know, when we read about Jesus, we, we can't help to contrast this in Philippians 2, where, where Paul wrote to the, to the Philippians there, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, being made in human likeness. And when we look at the words of Isaiah, Isaiah wrote and described what not only he goes beyond what we, what we are as humans, but he goes into what in the world we do, and the, maybe the very best things we've ever done in our life, and Isaiah says, "All your righteous deeds." Now there are all the things that you can. If I said, "Ask you, what have you done that's really good in your life?" and you make this wonderful list and you hand it to me proudly, and Isaiah's going to say, "You know what? All your righteous deeds are like filthy rags." See, what I'm saying here is that Jesus took this incredible, giant downgrade to be like you. I'm not trying to insult you. Be like me. He took this huge step downwards, this incredible downgrade to be like us. But when the disciples saw him after he was transfigured, they saw him how he really is. Let's go on. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. What? Isn't this kind of crazy? What in the world are these two Old Testament guys doing there? Why are they there? You know, there are different things to read into this. But simply put, these two men of the past represent the prophets and the saints of the time before Christ. The ones we read about in the Old Testament. The the, the believers who were were believers before Christ was born. They were believers of, of the Old Testament and they preceded all the believers of the New Testament all the Peter, all the James all the Johns and all the us because we're all lumped together right? The New Testament era the the dispensation, here we are we're all together, these guys preceded us and the lives of these Old Testament believers and their relationship to God was important and it led up to what? The arrival of the Savior Christ And when you think about it, that's kind of like what happened to you and I. Think about it. How many people were part of your life helping you work up to that point where you could finally pray honestly, I want Jesus as my Savior? How many people added into your mind, added into your heart, showed by their life experience, showed by their words of concern that moved you farther, 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 farther to finally to that point where you could say, yes, Jesus, I want you as my Lord. And led you to be here today. See, with the presence of Moses and Elijah, God was kind of connecting the dots. He was showing his plan for the saving of the world. You know, we, we think of, of, of the Old Testament, we think of of. of, of Abraham, the calling of Abraham, the promise of the nation, the Jews, um, the law through Moses, the fulfillment of prophecy, the arrival of Jesus Christ, the invitation through the disciples to the whole world and to us today. What are we supposed to do? Put it out there for the world to know. He's connecting the dots for them. Look at verse 5. He says, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. You know, Peter was the outspoken one. The three guys are there and they're kind of like with their mouths probably dropping open. But Peter says, whoa, this, this, we've got to build some of these tabernacles for, for, for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. You know, I really think we lose something in translation here. I think we, we kind of lose the excitement. You know, how would you react if you witnessed this? I think it'd be kind of like Poe. Now, Poe is the figure in Kung Fu Panda. Now, if you know Kung Fu Panda, you under, do you remember that, that moment that Poe finally saw the Furious Five? Whoa! You know? I, I think Peter was kind of like that. He was kind of blown out. He said, oh, my goodness, look, this is incredible. See, if you want to keep up with my sermons, you've got to watch movies. (laughs) But look at verse 7. Look what happens right after this. Right after Peter said this, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. You know, here, when we read that God the Father speaks out and he says, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. He's speaking directly to the disciples. Now, why did he do that? You know why? Here's Peter saying, come on, let's make a tabernacle for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And God is saying, wait a minute. Don't you understand? This is my son. He doesn't mention Moses and Elijah. He's just helping the disciples understand that they're not on the same level as the Son of God. This is my Son. This is my Son, God is saying. You don't build a temple for the three of them. This is my Son. He's the one you honor. You know, that's why that's why we know that we know that it's gonna be the day's gonna come where it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. What? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Look at verse 8 and 9. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man, in other words, himself, had risen from the dead. Why is this so important? Well, part of it is God's timing. God's timing and and for for Jesus not to be tripped up by crowds and on all these political things, but maybe keep it to yourself for now. But I think there's more to it. I think what God is communicating here, he's telling his disciples, these three, this is personally for you, here and now. In the light of this happening, let's think about this. Now let's get to our our really topic of the morning. Let's think about miracles. When you think of God working in your life, has there been a time in your life that he's done something that there's something, you prayed about something, you, your heart's desire. Remember God says, I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. Your heart's desires, is for something, and it happened. It took place. Things changed. Did that ever happen in your life? See, what is the purpose of miracles? What is the purpose of God working in your life in that way? Let's get into it right now. Number one, miracles are a preview of the life to come. See, this is something that we got to grab onto as Christians on the, in the earth. There is a life to come that we know that everlasting life, that that's out of this earth that we're going to be with the Lord in, in God's presence. But we also got to understand that the Christian life is a miraculous life. We should not be surprised with Miracles. We are to be living a miraculous life, a spiritual life. Even though we can feel the ground under our feet and we can taste that candy bar when we put it in our mouth, there is a time when our lives are going to be spiritual and it is beyond the material. But we have to get used to the the whole idea of miracles. A believer's life is a miraculous life. And although we don't see a whole lot of miracles daily, basically, What miracles remind us is wait till you see what's coming. See, that's basically what what it does. Take, for example, the transfiguration. That is a preview of the glory of God. The transfiguration shows us the glory of our future new bodies. Are you having any pain? Are you having any problems dunking a basketball? Think about it we are going to get this new body. i got a pain right now that's killing me, right in my inner thigh here that I pulled. That's been bugging me for the last four days. Now, I'm not saying, Lord, take me home so I can get rid of this. But I know that the day's going to come when this whole body of mine is going to be new. And the transfiguration is is a sample showing of that healthy, whole, and pain-free. The transfiguration shows the glory of being righteous like Jesus. Shining, brilliant, spotless, no sin. We are there. You're not going to be thinking about the, some, the crazy things you think about. You are going to be righteous. You're going to be that, in that new spiritual state. And the transfiguration shows the glory of finally being in the presence of your creator. Now, you may, you know, I was just talking to a, there's a young couple right now that are right now at this moment, they're they're watching our kids over in the Sunday school classroom. And so I do a Sparks meeting where I talk to them about the service. And I, I looked at them, I said, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the glory of God in heaven and things—it doesn't really speak to you right now in your life, in your kind of your your, your chapter of life. And they say, "Yeah, you're right," you know. Now, the wife is expecting a baby, and so you know they're focused on some all these things. Then I looked at them and said, "It will." See, when you're young, you almost feel like you're immortal. But the bottom line is, none of us are. And the wonderful thing about Christianity, it's relevant to us in every chapter of our life. But that wonderful promise of the glory of God and being in God's presence, we cannot, we cannot overemphasize that. That is just out of this world wonderful. You know, when you think of that transfiguration, that's that glory of God, you know, that, it's that presence... Of, we'll be in the presence of great ones, like, like Abraham Lincoln and the Apostle Paul. But we'll also be in the presence of a lot of people like you and me. We're, we're, just, we're just common folks. And the only thing we got in, in common is what? Faith in Jesus Christ. That is it. That is it. Let's go on. Another thing about miracles. Miracles help build our spiritual foundation. Everyone needs a burning bush. You know the story of the burning bush. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. Oh my gosh, who set that bush on fire? Bush is on fire. It's not being consumed. Why isn't it being consumed? Boom, this voice comes out of heaven. It's God talking to him. Everyone needs a burning bush experience. What did God say to Moses? This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. God can and does talk through miracles. Maybe not as dramatic as a burning bush, but he does. See, the thing about miracles, miracles are important not because of what it is. A miracle is important because of who it points to. Let me repeat that. Miracles are important not because of what it is, but who it points to. See, God's miracles always point Back to God. And if you don't see that, then it's not a miracle. You'll chalk it up to coincidence. You'll chalk it up to some rational reason. Oh, my gosh, well, uh, the parting of the Red Sea oh, it must have been extremely low tide. You know, what, whatever you want to say. See, for Moses, the God of the burning bush became what? The God of the Passover. And, and, and the God of the Passover became the God of the Exodus, and the God of the Exodus became the God of the Red Sea. See, Moses served in the miraculous. He served outside of his comfort range. Why? Because he understood that God is a God of miracles. See, miracles strengthen the foundation of our faith. Miracles move spiritual reality to become personal conviction. Let's get a little more practical. The last point. Miracles are reminders from God that He is real and He's with us. Okay, story. You guys know this story. I'm running out of time. guy's a paralytic. Can't walk. Paralyzed from the waist down. He's got four buddies. Hey, we hear this guy, Jesus, is in town. Let's take you to go see Jesus. They put him on a stretcher. These four guys... Take Jesus to, to this house where Jesus is teaching. The house is full of people. They can't get in with the stretcher. Oh, my gosh, what do we do? He has to, our buddy has to see Jesus. They go up to the roof, break through the roof, and all oh, this junk's coming down on the people in the house, and they look up, and these four guys lower this paralytic, this paralyzed friend of theirs, right in front of Jesus. Incredible. Jesus looked at this man and this is what he said out of Matthew 9. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Now remember, the house is full of people, so he's kind of speaking to everyone. What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, get up. Take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. See, God knows that sometimes words don't have a lot of power. Sometimes words are meaningless. Sometimes words are non-impactful. Ah, but a miracle? Oh, my gosh. That will grab your attention, won't it? See, miracles happen in your life. I hope you understand that. You know, from from the little miracle, like, oh Lord, help me find my car keys because I'm late. Boom, there they are. Oh my gosh, how'd they end up there? Okay. It's like my wife, she goes out running early in the morning, and you know what she's asking, Lord, allow me to see a hawk this morning. Every time she says that, she prays that she sees a, some hawk. You know? I've other miracles like 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 This woman came up to me, complete stranger, and I've told you this before. She comes up to me, complete stranger, downtown Los Angeles. She's dressed like a professional, some executive. She comes right up to me. I'm sitting on a bench. She says, God told me that you're going to get in a car accident. That's it. What happened? I got in a car accident that week. But she said, you're going to get in a car accident, but don't worry, you're not going to get hurt. Boom, I got in a car accident that week. Only car accident I've had in the last 30 years. Why does he do stuff like that? One of the reasons is that he wants to remind us, hey, I'm real. I'm around. And it strengthens our faith. See, this is the challenge that we as Christians, we got to see the miracle, and we got to remember it. Don't chalk it up, don't rationalize it, don't, don't, don't try to reason it away. Don't downplay it, and don't forget who it's from. A lot of things to remember. But you know, of all the things, remember Jesus said what? Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? So he got made the guy walk. But you know what Jesus' heart is? Your sins are forgiven. Realize in God's eyes, and never forget this, that in God's eyes the greatest miracle in all the universe is when one of us, a sinner, born in this world, becomes born again. That is the greatest miracle of all, and you may not think it is. It doesn't sound real glamorous and real, real ritzy. You know, it doesn't seem real, real glitzy and everything. But that is the most miraculous thing that can happen on this earth, when a sinner. Becomes born again and now is suddenly becomes a child of God. Realize miracles are like, like God's neon sign. They want to grab our attention. So three things. One, miracles, they happen for a reason. Two, their timing is perfect. And three, God intended it for you. Okay? Let's pray. Father, as we um, leave this text, it's, it's loaded. It is so good. It, is, it reminds us, Father, that there's so much that we, that we don't catch in this world. There's so much that we don't look forward to in this world. There's so much, Father, that we don't see that is you working around us in this world. So help us, Father. Help us to understand this. Help us to have that sense of anticipation, Father, not only for heaven but in the life that you have for us, even tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.